0: But I uh, want to g- kind of give you a chance today to get your heart right and maybe to get your nose right, um, your head right, <laughs> physically even, for, if you can, for just a minute. Um, whatever you brought in here, um, illness or pain or maybe joy, little babies, um, goodness gracious. Um, that's going to heart- I've got to not look over there because it distracts me how beautiful that baby is. Um, but, uh, and they aren't all beautiful, let's just be honest, you know, not all of them, but that one. Um, so, I want to give you a chance real quick to, uh, to take a deep breath this morning. Um, take about a minute, minute and a half, and uh, take a moment of silence. It's a good opportunity for you to just get your heart right with God, Whatever, whatever's going on in your life, whatever's going on in your heart. It's a good moment to take a break, um, good moment for me to take a drink of water and to kind of take a deep breath before I get jumping in today. And then I am really excited about this sermon. Um, honestly, I, there's not, uh, not a lot for me to remember because I've been memorizing this stuff since I was a kid. Um, and I just get to kind of speak from my heart today with some stories that uh, maybe you've never heard before, and some of them you have, but maybe you'll hear a little different today. So give you a chance to take a deep breath, and then uh, about maybe a minute or so of silence, and then I'll close us in prayer, and we'll jump in today. Got in the quiet of this room right now thank you for the way you love us thank you for perspective and no matter what we believe no matter how we doubt sometimes or how we live you seem to always be there waiting pursuing us patiently waiting for us to move closer to you would you you be honored today by the way we pause If we had a big remote control for our life we would just hit the pause button so that you could speak into our lives and give us perspective give us the priorities that we need give us new energy so I'm praying for my friends today that are here that want to gain a better understanding of you and the truth is they don't want a good idea from the preacher. If they wanted that, there's a lot better ideas out there. Oprah and Dr. Phil can give them all the ideas they want. What they want is something from the Creator today something that speaks deeply into who they are, not just a good idea, but a life changing notion, something that will move them to who they want to be and what they're looking for. God, would you be honored by the way we pursue that today? Would you give me the energy I need, clear my head, at least for this talk? clear my illness long enough for me to speak the truth today and we'll give you the glory and the honor in your son's name amen well we're in this series um called masquerade and the idea of masquerade is that we all wear masks and if this is your first week in this series, um, you you haven't heard kind of the setup for the series, but the setup is this, that if you're not careful, the older you get, the more your mask becomes such a part of you that you kind of even forget it's there. And so when somebody asks you how you're doing, o- often the answer is, I'm good. And there's like this faky thing, and in the, m- in the middle of it, uh, you've really got a lot of, uh, of things going on. I ran in yesterday to Lowe's to pick up something and was trying to pretend not to feel sick and um, went in there and I was hacking all the way into the into the lows and I walked in the very first person I saw was a friend of mine that goes to another church in town a big church he's on staff there at the church and you know he's just always looks nice he's handsome and he's like always even if he's working on Saturday he's just always attractive and his kids are perfect and they never run around the store and break things um, like other kids I know and um, and I have one of mine with me you know Reese who's who likes to run around a little bit and Walked in the store, and as soon as, as soon as I walked in, I saw him, and I had just been hacking and feeling awful and dirt all over me. And he said, how you doing, John? And I said, literally, the words come out of my mouth, I'm wonderful. <laughs> you know? Because it's, it's, a, it's a reflex, right? We, we come to a point where we, whether, either I feel like he doesn't care, really, and I'm just trying to get through the conversation, or I feel like I really don't want him to know that, that I'm not, not really that good. But whatever it is, we wear these masks, and sometimes it's a happy mask, where um, we pretend to be happy. Sometimes it's a good mask, where you show up on Sundays and pretend that your week hasn't been what most of us know your week has been, or, or you just end up kind of dropping into this thing when you pull into the parking lot. This happens in all churches all over America, where all morning, husband and wife get their kids ready, and they fight, and they argue, and they... May say some things they wish they hadn't, and the shirts are on backwards, and the stuff's all messed up, and the cereal's all over the front of clothes, and then you pull in the driveway, and all of a sudden, you become the Stepford family, right? You become that, we're all right, we're perfect, fix your hair, you know, mom does the wet bath, you know, the tongue bath thing real quick, and you walk in, straighten up. That's what we say to our kids. Straighten up. Somehow, if you're slunched over, you look like a bad kid. But if you sit straight, stand straight up, you must look like a good kid. And we want everybody to think we're all good and we're all great and we're the Brady Bunch, right? Maybe you wear that mask. And let me tell you, if you're wearing that mask today, it's exhausting. It's just exhausting. And maybe you're wearing the mask of the spiritual mask. You know, where you live however you want and then when you come to church or when you When you're around the people who you think want you to be spiritual, you have to pretend that somehow you have a deeper relationship or a deeper deeper faith. This happens in small groups. Um, It happens in life groups on Wednesday nights. It's starting to break down in our group, which I love in all of our groups. But there's this sense where for a while when a question is asked about life, the answer is always something really pure and nice and sweet and spiritual and Christian. And then once you get to know each other and the masks start falling off, it's like raw, real, I don't believe that, I don't agree with that, I'm struggling with this. And that's where the life comes in. Wearing a spiritual mask is exhausting. And the smart mask may be the most exhaustive. You know what the smart mask is? It's I have to be the best in the room or the smartest in the room. You know, you can tell somebody who's wearing this mask when a story is told and the person has to one-up it. You know, you've been around this before. If he caught a three-pound bass, I caught a five-pound bass. If he shot a, 20, you know, a 28 on that course, I shot a 26. That'd be a good score. If, if, uh, you know, if th- something's awful in my life, then I got a story that's even more awful. And there's this mask that I'm better or I'm worse, or it, my story is even worse or better than yours. And that's exhausting. Well, the truth is, these masks that we wear in our life keep us from who God wants us to be. They keep us from the joy and the peace and the hope, and I've seen it all over. I have warned them myself, and as I've prepared these sermons, I've realized I've got more than I realized, and I just switch one off and put another one on, depending on the group of people I'm with, and it's exhausting. And as we start to to work that out in our lives, it changes who we are. But I think the, the core problem, and part of the reason I put this sermon series together, is because the core problem is you have a picture of who you are, and God has a picture of who you are. You have a picture of, of the good things that you are and the bad things you are, and God has a picture of the good things you are and the bad things you are. And God's picture, although it is complete and it's perfect and it, he sees in the deepest part of who you are, the picture of God, that God has of you is not a whole lot unlike the picture that my mom has of her grandkids, <laughs> right? I remember when, our grandkid, when her grandkids were growing up, my kids, they, they were even smaller that, that if, if Reese did something wrong or he made a bad choice, it was never Reese's fault, there was always this moment of, oh, he's, and this is what she would always say, he's tired, you know? He's just really tired, you know? I figure he's going to be in his 30s, make a really bad decision. She goes, he must be tired, you know? Because she, she kind of has this feeling that, here's what, this is the way it is with my mom, with, they call her Nana. Um, London's in the back today, she can tell you this. Nana always errs on the side of the kids, right? She always leans towards the kids, you know? And there's this feeling. And it's cute and it's neat and they make signs, you know, about grandmas and the way they feel about their grandkids, and all oh, that's cute and it's neat. But here's the thing that feeling that you get as a grandmother, that feeling that you get as a grandfather, or that feeling you get as a grandchild of a good grandma or good grandpa, that is a glimpse of the way God leans towards you. Did you know that? When life is hard, when struggles are hard, when things are bad, when the choices are hard to make, when things are, yes, God is firm, yes, God is strong, but he is always leaning towards you. And he sees you as worth leaning towards. And when you can understand that in your life, when you can understand that God errs on the side of grace, that God, if he he doesn't err, he leans towards grace, when you can see that, when you feel that, when you understand that in your life at 100%, it changes everything. Can I get an amen from somebody who leans that way? Somebody who has realized that God is not a policeman standing with a hammer ready to hit me on the head when I make a mistake, but he is, Jesus is standing between us and God going like this all the time. God, maybe they're tired. <laughs> you know, and God, they're gonna, we're going to do better. It's going to get better. And he leans towards you and here's what happens if you can get this for for the first things first is that your mask falls off all your masks start to fall off when you realize that God is leaning in your favor and the second thing is you treat everybody differently and I don't know what's going on in your heart um, but I can tell you I've been a preacher a long time now I've been in ministry um, longer in my life than I haven't um, and I have, uh, I've seen so much and I've been so much around. I don't know your heart. I can't see past, pa- past the outside, but I can tell whether you believe that God leans towards you or not. You know how I can tell this? By the way I see you talk about other people and the way I see you treat other people. I can tell in my own life. I can tell in my kids if I see them talking about somebody at school and it's, a, it's kind of a mean attitude and they want to judge them and they want, to, they want to kind of condemn them for something, I can tell that there's a feeling that God may feel like that towards them a little or that I may feel like that towards them. And I know in this congregation, I've seen it, I've heard it, I've read the Facebook post, that we have this problem with leaning towards judgment instead of leaning towards people. And that comes from not understanding how God actually feels about you I was uh, <laughs> was out in the yard with Reese when he's about four years old and 'll never forget this. I was working on a on my dad 's old lawnmower and um, and I don't know anything about engines and i was uh, let's just say I was mad I, didn't, I, I don't cuss, but where I spit, grass never grows again. you know I mean it, it gets bad and and I was working on this lawnmower and I had it up and it fell, and I, I had it on these two little jacks, and well, they were not real jacks, they should have been jacks, but they were things that I just found to prop it up, and one of them fell, and it, it almost fell on me, and it didn't, it wouldn't have killed me, but it would have hurt really bad, and I just, I just went, Ugh! really loud, and Reese looked over at me, I think he was four, he looked over at me, and I was sitting in my, standing in my dad's garage, and he was thinking the same thing I was thinking. Like, why is my dad under a lawnmower? Like, he's got friends that does, does this. He doesn't do this. And he said this, Dad, who do you think you are? <laughs> and that was a good question. And I'd like for, to ask you today, who do you think you are? When you look in the mirror? When, when, when you step just outside and you get some perspective for a minute? what's going on? Because the problem with our masks is that we start to believe that we're not good enough without a mask, that we have to cover ourselves, that somehow in every situation we have to become a new thing in order for that group of people to like us more, or in order for this group of people to accept us in a different way, or maybe in order for God to see us differently. The question is, who do you think you are? And if you have a problem kind of getting some perspective on that today you're not alone in fact when jesus came he he went to a group of people who had such a problem with this because the entire culture around the group of people that Jesus spent most of his time with, they would tell this group of people who they were. They were they were leaders. They were spiritual leaders, and they were political leaders, and they would oppress people that didn't believe what they believed. They would, they would force people to say things that really weren't they what they wanted to say. They would make fun of people because of what they looked like or what they believed or how much money they make or which class of system they were in. And it, it got to the point where people started believing what was being said about them around it. Now, not unlike what's going on in America right now in a lot of ways. If you listen to the right thing at the right time, in fact, you can pretty much turn, tune any news channel on, any, whichever left or right you listen to, and however it goes, you can turn on anything, and you'll get the sense that we love to look at people and say, these group of people do this, and this group of people are like this, and you begin to start to make people feel as though they are in a category. Well, God has some things to say about it, and it was amazing that Jesus, while he was here, spoke right into the lives. He began to tell people. He began to notice these masks, and he began to notice the problem in people. He'd look at them, and he would notice that they feel like they have to be something they're not or that they have a misunderstanding about the way God sees them. So Jesus did this thing that you should do with your kids. Jesus did this thing that you should do with anybody who is having a hard time understanding the way God feels about them or the way they should feel about themselves. He started telling stories. Jesus was one of the best storytellers of all time. In fact, there are people, men and women, who study the way Jesus told stories who don't believe Jesus was the Son of God. They, they're still trying to decide all that. There are men and women who just, tells the way, or just study the way Jesus told stories because they were so compelling and so life-changing that people would actually walk away from Jesus. And rather than just have a good idea, this is what I study about Jesus because I am so tired of coming to, to working really hard to prepare a sermon and have people say that was a good sermon but not changing and not doing anything with it. And it's been a struggle my whole life. It's a frustration as a preacher. You put all your energy and all your thought into this. And how do you know if it's good? Not because people went like this afterwards or said that joke was funny or John, that was moving today or you stepped on my toes. But did they actually change? Did they actually do something different when they left here? And what happened with Jesus was more than any time in history, somebody would follow this guy and they would walk away and their life would be different forever. And it was often because of the way he told stories. In some of the t- stories he told. So today I have four stories to tell you. I'm going to tell you a story about a sheep. I'm going to tell you a story about a brat. About a kid who was just a brat. You're, I won't put any more names on it. I'm going to tell you about a, a guy who was a fake. And I'm going to tell you a, a story about a farmer and some seeds today. And these, none of these stories come from me. These are all from Jesus. And I have, I have kind of worked to modernize them a little bit. But the truth is they just didn't need much work. Because Jesus told them perfectly. So I kind of want to dig in today um, and tell you some of these stories. And here's what I want you to do. As you listen to this, I want you to start thinking about what these stories might mean to you and about you in your life um, as we move forward in this Masquerade series. The first story is about a sheep. Jesus is around a whole bunch of disciples, and, and, and he, he begins to say these things. Matthew chapter 13, verse 10, um, says this The disciples came asking, and, and, and I mean, this is a great question because not just historians noticed Jesus was telling stories, but the disciples and the people who followed him asking him this question. So the disciples came up and, he, and asked, Why do you tell stories? Like, what is it that causes, Nobody does this. They just make up stories or they tell stories to get us to, to understand better. And he says this. You've been, given insight. You've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. Not everybody has this gift, this insight. It hasn't been given to them. So there's this confusion about God and how God works and how people work and how the kingdom of God works. Jesus says, whenever someone has a ready heart for this, the insights and understanding flow freely. But if there is no readiness, any trace of receptivity soon disappears. That's why I tell stories to create readiness, to nudge the people towards receptive insight. So I don't know how many of you know this, but I own a production company. I owned a production company that I sold back in January of last year, and now I am sort of the, the leader of that company within another company. So what that really means is I get to do what I've always done, but now I get a paycheck every week and somebody else takes care of the bills. It's absolutely perfect for me. Um, and, and my number one job in fact, my title now at this company is chief storyteller. Um, now, for a kid who grew up with a problem with lying, that sounds like a bad job, right? <laughs> I don't tell lying stories. What I do is I, my job is to go in, and I've got this great team of people who are artists and who are video camera operators and are wonderful with technical tools and tell beautiful stories with visuals. And I get to go meet companies and I get to go meet organizations that want to tell their story, that want their message to get out. And my number one job when I leave this place, my job 40 hours a week or 57 hours a week is to find stories and find the best way to tell those stories. And this right here is my mission statement. Why do I tell stories? I tell stories because some people just don't understand unless you tell a story, right? And so this is why I've been praying for you today. I believe these stories can change your life. If you're listening, if you're ready today, these can change your life because they can change the way you see God, they can change the way you see yourself. And this first story about a sheep from Luke chapter 15 may do that immediately if you're, if you're the kind of person who grew up in church and who heard don't run in the church, and if you run in the church, you're going to be a bad kid, and if you're a bad kid, you're going to be a bad grown-up, if you're a bad grown-up, you're going to be a bad this, and everything's bad and nothing's good. And I'm not saying you should run in the church. I'm saying that some some people, that's the only message they ever told a child in church is don't run. There was nothing else. And, and then the child grows up and feels like that's the way God feels about them. And this might surprise you. Jesus... <laughs> I left these pieces of scripture in to tell you how Jesus tells story all the time. Luke says, then Jesus told them a picture story. I love the thought of a picture story. That's kind of what I do with video. He says, uh, saying, if Jesus had video, I can't imagine how good this would have been, but he says, um, what if one of you had 100 sheep and you lost one of them? Now, here's the way I think Jesus did this, and this is why I think Luke called this a picture story um, because I think Jesus paints a good picture, but I also think that Jesus was probably standing next to a field of sheep and a shepherd. In fact, if you go to the to, um, to the Holy Lands, anywhere in Israel, you you can you trip over sheep. I mean, they're everywhere and there are shepherds and sometimes you'll be driving your car and all of a sudden it, you'll stop and you'll look up ahead and there's like 150 sheep crossing the road and guys with old-time staffs following them and kind of Uh, hitting them in the butt as they go across the road, and and there's just this neat old-time feeling to it. I think Jesus was probably standing next to a field of sheep, and this was right after they had come to him, and they had said, Jesus, you're supposed to be a, a good God person, right? You're supposed to be the kind of person that stays away from awful things and awful people, right? And why are you spending so much time with sinners? Why are you spending so much time with people who who party and drink and do these awful things. And Jesus tells this story as an answer to that. He said, would you not leave? He said, it, it, what if one of you had a 100 sheep and you lost one of them? I can see Jesus looking out in the field and one sheep just kind of going over by itself. W- what if that one was lost? I mean, there's a thought that you got 100. What, are, are you going to risk losing the 100 to go after the one? He says this, would you, would you not leave the 99 in the country? and go back and look for the one which was lost until you find it there yeah okay when you find it you're happy as you can carry it back on your shoulders i grew up in, in my house my grandmother had a picture i don't know if you if you've seen this picture before maybe you've seen it in some some older houses um A picture of Jesus carrying a sheep around his neck. This is the way lamb was carried, and probably still is in a lot of places in the Middle East. A a lamb is so slow that if you have to chase a little lamb out somewhere, you don't want to have to just push it back like you would another sheep. You want to pick it up and carry it and put it on your shoulders. And so Jesus has painted this picture for this group of people, and they're probably watching some sheep too. He's he's saying, here's the thing about sheep. Every one is infinitely precious to the shepherd. Now, at this point in history, one sheep, it, it was an incredible precious thing to a shepherd. It, it, was, it was something that you just couldn't afford to lose. I mean, this was, this was your livelihood, but even more than that, Jesus emphasizes, in the, the original language here, Jesus emphasizes in a way that people would have been moved by the story. They would have pictured a shepherd holding a, a lamb, a baby sheep, and putting it over his shoulders when I was a kid and we still laugh about this um we we say it all the time every time we see sheep um that we were Reese wanted a dog really bad and we had a we had three around the house and it was like we don't need any more dogs and he kept saying mom I want a dog mom I want a dog mom how about a rabbit how about a no and there was always this feeling of this Reese it's too much trouble. We don't need any more animals around. And one day we passed a, a thing, a, a pasture full of sheep, and there was a whole bunch of them, and he couldn't have been three years old, and he yelled out the window, sheep! And then every, everybody went, yeah, 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 there's sheep. And he goes, Mom, how about we get a sheep? Sheep are no trouble. <laughs> like he had any idea how much trouble sheep were, right? He just wanted a sheep because they're cute, they're little, they're, there's something about them, these, these little lambs that feel precious and that feel vulnerable. And for the first time in this group of people that were around Jesus, they were full of people. They were full of of people who believed they were in with God. Let me say that again. These were a group of people who believed because they followed the rules, because they did the religious things at the time that seemed like that's what God wanted, they thought they were in with God. And Jesus is saying, listen to me. God doesn't care about what you say. He cares about what you do. He wants you to live like me. Jesus said, he wants you to live like me. And look at me. I'm going out looking for the sheep that are lost. This is an amazing story for those who were listening. Then you would go to your house, call your friends and neighbors once you found the sheep, and you would say to them, be happy with me because I have found my sheep that was lost. Now the people who listen to Jesus say, hey, wait a minute, God doesn't get happy. God doesn't throw parties. And Jesus is like, man, you have a lot to learn about God. You guys have been making up rules about God for so long, you don't even know who God is anymore. Because God is absolutely the person who throws a party when one sheep that was lost is now found. He says, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven because of one sinner who is sorry for, their, for his sins and turns from them than for the 99 people. I think Jesus probably did that air quotes thing or he did something here to point at the people who thought they were in then he says "Then, then for the 99 people right with God who do not have sins to be sorry for obviously we all have sins to be sorry for he's talking to a group of people who think they don't have sins to be sorry for and Jesus is saying you better watch out because the God of creation is desperately searching he is desperately looking for you This was the first time for some of these people, and maybe the first time in history for a lot of the people that Jesus were around, where they began to see God differently. They began to see him as somebody that was pursuing them, somebody that was shepherding them, not just poking them with a cattle prodder, but moving them to something, and something that was precious. So the story that Jesus began to tell from the the sheep was this, that you, and as you sit here today, I've been praying for you specifically. In these orange pews that were just cleaned yesterday, by the way. This is just for you today. You are worth more to him than you realize. And he will never stop pursuing you. He will never stop looking for you. If you feel lost, if you feel far from God today, if you feel like you're distant from God, He will continue to pursue you. If you feel like maybe you're you're a Christian, but you're kind of on the fringe, you're kind of living this thing, but not really, and you've got these masks that you wear, you need to know that God will continue to pursue a relationship with Him that is right, that is close. That's who He is. Jesus says God is like a shepherd. And, And you're like sheep in that you're precious to Him. And if you get away from the fold, he's going to go looking for you. This was emotional for a lot of people because they didn't feel like they were worth it. You know, have you you ever been to, uh, we went to uh, French Lick just recently down to the big water park, indoor water park thing, which sounds silly now that it's warm. But at the time, it was really good (laughs) because it was cold outside and you were inside. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's neat, but there's this just feeling like there's so many people there that you just start to feel like cattle. You know, have you ever been in a situation, maybe it's Disney World or a, a, like a, a NASCAR event, I felt this way before, where you get up there and everybody's standing in line and finally somebody goes, mmm, and everybody laughs, you know, because you you feel like you're just being moved through something and you're just one more number to people. The truth is, the people that were following Jesus at this time, they felt like one more person, one more number. And every time they would look at themselves or think of themselves, they would think of themselves as a fringe person, as somebody who was meaningless, who didn't really matter and Jesus changed it for one, with one story for a lot of those people. I'm praying today that you begin to see no matter what job you have or don't have no matter how much school you finished or didn't finish no matter how much money you have or don't have no matter what kind of car you drive or bike you ride you need to know that God's pursuing you and that you couldn't be any more precious to Him. So, He tells another story. He tells a story about a brat. Now, this made me hungry when I wrote it because it looks like brat, right? Um, so, every time I see it, I think I, my mouth waters a little bit and I want some big brat with cheese in it. Oh, man. But this is not a story about a hot dog shaped thing, this is a story about a kid who is a brat. And just let me tell you, some of you have heard this story before, and you already are going to tune me out. I want you to listen a little bit different today, because I think the way that it's delivered um, in this translation, the message, um, might be a little bit different. I want you to hear this today, because you might find yourself in a couple different places. Again, Jesus was surrounded by a whole group of people. This time he had religious leaders, people who believed they were in, people believed they were, who believed they were good, people who believed that God looked at them and smiled, and looked at everybody else who wasn't living like them, and frowned. That God looked at them and said, you're on my team, and he looked at everybody else and said, and they're on the other team. And this made Jesus really mad. So he told that story, and at the same time, he wanted to reach people who felt like they were out with God. Who felt like they had been told by the religious leaders and the politicians so long that there were teams and they were on the wrong team. That they felt like there was no chance of them ever getting on God's team again. So Jesus tells this story. And by the way, if you're listening to politics right now, you'll hear this story and a lot of quotes from this story in politicians who have no idea where it came from, um, that Jesus was the first one to say some of the things you're going to hear today, and then if you listen to politics and tells there's a new president elected, you'll hear this over and over and over in these principles, because we all have been moved by this story. He says this, Jesus said, there once was a man who had two sons. Now, the very first thing that would have happened in this culture when, when you start a story with two sons is that people start thinking about inheritance. Because at this day and age, inheritance was everything. And if you, if you had a guy with money, um, the only thing people thought about was the, what was going to happen to that money. Now, that still happens in our culture a little bit. But in this culture, it was the very first thing people would consider. So when Jesus brought that up, immediately people would, th- would think, well, he's got two sons. Who's going to get the jack? Who's going to get the cash at the end of this guy's life, right? Jesus says, a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, I want what's coming to me right now. Now, so what he said to his dad, everybody in the crowd would have gone, (gasps) didn't happen in this room because our culture is a little bit different. But that would have been a ridiculous thing to ask. It would have been like saying to your father, Dad, I wish you were dead Give me my half of the money. Because really the only way you get an inheritance is what? When your dad dies or when your family member dies, that's when the inheritance comes. But he said, Dad, you're rich. I get half of your stuff. I want what's coming to me now. I wish you were dead. Yeah, that's, the, that's what the people in the room would have said to Jesus. That's the people that got, would have gone, <gasps> I cannot imagine saying that to my dad, even if I felt that way. <coughs> so Jesus says, so the father <laughs> divided the property between them. And immediately the people were like, well, that's just stupid. Why would the dad let him? He didn't legally have to do it. And you get this picture of a father who could do whatever he wanted. He's in charge. But he gave his child a choice. And it's strange to the people who listen to this, that somehow this father would be weird enough or crazy enough to let his son choose what to do with this money that didn't legally belong to him yet. So he, he divided the property up between the two sons. It wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. Don't raise your hand. But, right? You know somebody or you've done it yourself. And in that group of people, everybody would have said, well, if somebody gave me a big chunk of money, that's probably me. And then there was a whole unrealistic people that said, well, I would have invested it in stocks and bonds and put it in my savings account, which probably would have never happened either. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. After he had gone through all his money, (laughs) there was a bad famine in the land all throughout the country. And I love the way the message puts this with Jesus' words in English. And he began... Hurt. You know, you know what that feels like, right? Like, what does it mean to hurt? Well, when you're a kid, it means you you hit something. You have got a bruise. You got a scratch. You got a cut. But when you're an adult, you know what it means to hurt differently, right? Jesus was talking to this group of people, and he said he began to hurt. And the word that Jesus uses in this story for the word hurt is a word that that means not pain, not physical pain, but this inside uh, butterflies in your stomach, that deep hard place in your soul at the deepest part of who you are there was pain and there was hurt next slide tanya all right next slide one more there you go uh one one back there i think we skipped too many oh there you go he signed on with a citizen so he was in this country and all this all of his money's gone and he began to hurt. So he signed on with a citizen there who assigned him to the fields to slop the pigs. So he went from living in a rich house with his rich dad, pretty much given everything he wanted, except for the cash to go go mess around. He's now gotten the cash and now he is going to work for somebody, slop for pigs. And he was so hungry, he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop. But he wasn't even allowed to eat that. So here this pig, this guy who had all this money and who lived in a rich house is now giving slop to pigs and looking at it and going, mmm, that looks good. And he has this epiphany where he goes, man, even the people who work for my dad eat. Even the guys who work for my dad are treated better for me. What if I go back to my dad? Would, would my dad take me back? He said that brought him to his senses. And he said, all these farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day, and here I am starving to death. I'm going to go back to my father, and I'll say to him, have you ever done this before? When, when you do something, you know you're going to be in trouble when you were a kid, or maybe to your wife or to your husband or to a friend, where you're, you're, like, you're planning on the way to get there. Like, here's what I'm going to say. Okay, I'm going to say, Dad, I know you told me that that was stupid, but here's what happened. It wasn't all my fault. We had a friend whose name was Wayne in high school, and we blamed everything on Wayne. You know, anything bad that happened, it was Wayne, Dad, you know. And then later on in life, Dad runs into Wayne and goes, that Wayne, man, that guy is so, I'm going, "Eh, none of that. was. It was all me, you know, but my brother and I both blamed Wayne for everything. And so there's always this little speech, you know, and he begins to write this speech. All right, I'm going to say, Dad, I've sinned against you, I've sinned against God, and I just want to work as an employee for you. And he begins to kind of write this little speech. I'm going to go back to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. And my guess is he was planning the tears. You know how you can, if you're a kid, you know what. I don't even deserve to be called your son. Next slide. Take me on as a hired hand. He got right up and he went home to his father. Okay, and all the way home. He's probably thinking this. When he was still a long way off. I want you to read that. Would you? Would you just, if you're taking notes today, write that sentence down. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him. His heart pounded. He ran out, embraced him, and kissed him. And the son started a speech. You know, the speech he's been preparing. Father, I have sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve, and go on to the next slide, London. But the father wasn't even listening to the speech. (laughs) So I I I want you to get this picture because you've heard this before if you've been around church. And if you haven't been around church, this might be as shocking to you as it was to the group of people Jesus was standing around. Here's the thing about this story. They didn't believe that God even looked at you if you were far off from him. When you choose to go away from God or you choose to walk away from God, what they believed is that God had his back turned and you poked him in the back and said, I'm ready to apologize now. But Jesus painted a new picture of God. He painted a picture of God that's standing at the end of the driveway. This is not a God that went about his business and just let you do what you wanted. He let you do what he wanted because you, cho- you chose it and he lo- knows that love is choice. But he stood at the end of the driveway and he waited because he saw him from a long way off. And while he was still a long way off, Jesus says, his heart pounded. You know that feeling you get? Your heart pounds. You're excited about something and you, you're moving to something. Nobody would have thought of the creator of the universe as waiting at the end of the driveway, just can't wait for you to get back, and then his heart pounded. I prayed for you this morning, that maybe for the first time, you would know in your life that God is waiting at the end of the driveway with his heart in his chest, in his his throat, with his heart pounding for you. Wherever you find yourself today, you said, "John, I'm so far off." <laughs> would you would you write this down? While he was far off, not after he became baptized, not after he came to church for six weeks and didn't miss one, not after this, not after, while he was far off, it's though, Jesus, it's though Jesus was saying, guys, you have it all wrong. You think you have to complete a bunch of rules to get to God, but here's the thing. You come to God and the rules start to take care of themselves. Yes, we obey rules. Yes, God has a set that leads you to the things you want to, the things that God wants for you, but it starts... With him waiting at the driveway going, just come here. Leave the speech. I already see what's in your heart. I already knew you were going to be here. If you could get this today, this story about the brat, it'd change the way you think about God. it changed change the way you think about you. And it'd change how many masks you put on in the morning. I love this. Father wasn't listening. He was calling to his servants, quick, quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then get a grain-fed heifer and roast it. We're going to a feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here. Give up for dead. He, I, he was given up for dead and now he's alive. Given up for lost and now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. People didn't think God had wonderful time until Jesus came and change their way of thinking. Now, the rest of this story, Jesus is looking at a bunch of of religious leaders who, you know what they say? Here's what their comment is. Jesus kind of stops here, and the religious leaders go like this. Well, that's not fair. What do you mean that's not fair? Well, it's not fair that that kid gets to live however he wants, and then then the father forgives him, but what about the other son? Jesus says, you mean the, the son that thought he was perfect? The son that thought he hadn't done anything against his dad? You mean you? You mean those of judgmental who stand around and just want to point at those who have been given forgiveness? That son will give what he's due, but that's not your business. You have a relationship yourself with the Father. story about a brat, Jesus says, you you can't ever get too far from home that you won't be welcomed back. That might be a surprise to you. That might be a surprise to those of you who have been praying for a son or a daughter or a husband or a wife or a friend for a long time and they just feel too far and you've sort of given up. You need to know God hasn't. He stands at the end of the driveway. Maybe may be a surprise for those of you who are coming to church today because somebody drugged you here and you're, you feel like you're so far from God that there's no point in trying. It may be a surprise to you to know that you're a whole lot closer than you think to coming home. Jesus tells a story about a fake and I gotta keep moving here. It's a good thing we didn't have worship today, huh? Matthew 21, 28. You You're right, KJ. I know. Matthew 21, Jesus says this. Tell me what you think of this story. <laughs> See, isn't this funny how Jesus is? He's like, all right, I got another one for you. If that one didn't get you, if you didn't get moved by that, if that one didn't hit you where you are, if that one didn't make you take your mask off, Jesus says, tell me what you think about this story. A man had two sons. He went up to the first one. Like, wait a minute, Jesus, we've heard this one before. No, 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 this is another man and another couple sons. Hang on. He went up to the first one. And he said, son, go out for the day and work in the vineyard. The son answered, I don't want to. <laughs> Doesn't that sound familiar? Things haven't changed much in 2,000 years, have they? <laughs> I don't want to. Later on, later on, though, he thought better of it, and he went. Then the father said to the other son, uh, or then the father gave the same command to the second son, and he answered, sure, I'd be glad to. You know, you know people like this, right? Yeah, I'll be there. Man, let's, let's do it. Friday night, 7 o'clock. Yeah, 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 let's do it. Never hear from him again. Never show up, right? This person, the father gave the second command to. He answered, sure, glad to, but he never went. Jesus says, which of these two sons did what the father asked? And then you, I, I put this on the next slide because you won't believe what Jesus said. I mean, the the English translation here is really good, and I worked hard to make sure I had the right one here. He says this. They said, the first, the one who actually did what the Father said, and Jesus said, yes. And I'll tell you, look at this, that crooks and whores. That's why I told you to put your kids back there today, all right? Crooks and whores are going to precede you in God's kingdom. Do you know how offensive? This is the kind of thing that got Jesus killed. This is the reason Jesus died, because people who thought they were good, Jesus said things like, you know what, those people you've been calling names, those people you've been pointing at and laughing and telling are going to hell, they're getting into the kingdom and you're not. Because here's the difference. They talk about it, they pretend it, they put on the mask, they walk into the church building, they act like this on one moment, and then when it comes to actually doing something, when it comes to actually helping something, when it comes to actually being a follower of Jesus, They say they will on Sunday morning when the preacher gets them fired up. But when it comes time to actually go to the vineyard, when it comes time to actually be who they're supposed to be and love the way God loves, all they do is point at whores and crooks. All they do is like to call people names. All they do is like to separate themselves from other people. There is nothing that made Jesus matter to this. And this really surprised the religious leaders around Jesus. He says this, John came to you. This is John the Baptist. (laughs) He came to you showing you the right road. You turned up your noses at him. Partially because of the way he looked and the way he acted. He was a weird dude and they liked to make fun of him. But the crooks and whores, he uses the words again, believed him. You know why he's using that word. Jesus is not marginalizing people. He's using the words to the people who are marginalizing people right back in their faces to say, those people that you're calling names and marginalizing and pushing over in a corner, those people are in and you're out. This is why he died. Even when you saw their changed lives, you didn't care enough to change and believe. This is all the difference, guys. This changed my life. This story changed my life when I was in college I studied it and I read it and I couldn't believe that Jesus used those words (laughs) and I dug in to find out why and then I realized man this is how I'm living I'm I'm preparing to be a preacher and I'm it's just a mask I'm not living anything I'm telling people to live this way and then I'm going to live in however I wanted to this story out of all of them changed my life when I was in college So Jesus tells one last story, and I promise this is it. I've I've just taken up all our time, even without worship. You know, I'll fill it. This is a story about a seed. Maybe this is where you find yourself today. Matthew chapter 13. Jesus, again, is telling a word picture. He's probably standing next to a farmer who's out sowing seed. And the way they sowed seed, they didn't have John Deere's, they didn't have combines, they didn't have any kind of, any kind of farming equipment. This was like a guy and some farm animals in his hand, right? And Jesus is probably watching somebody when he tells the story. He said, study this story, or more, I like to think of it more in his language, what he said was, hey guys, check this one out. <laughs> study this story of a farmer planting seed." When anyone hears the news of the kingdom and doesn't take it in, it just remains on the surface. And so the evil one comes along and plucks it right out of that person's heart. This seed is the farmer. uh, This is the seed the farmer scatters on the road. So he's probably watching, and you can see this farmer kind of just throwing this stuff out. And this seed, this good idea, this good news, maybe it's represented by what you're hearing today, it just gets thrown out on the road. It doesn't take soil this happens a lot in church you come and you hear something good and you think it's good and you but it doesn't ever take root and then he says the evil one or the probably a blackbird comes down and takes the seed right there in front of him and he says the seed cast in the gravel there's like some in the gravel right there this is the person who hears and instantly responds with enthusiasm but there is no soil of character and so when the emotions wear off and some difficulty arrives there's nothing to show for it that never happens in church does it we have a baptism sunday and nine people get baptized and john has to get into the cold water and everybody claps and laughs and then we don't see him for a long time we made a commitment around here to do everything we can do as a church to do better about helping them through their journey but in the long run it's between you and god the seed cast in the weeds is the person who hears the kingdom news but weeds of worry and illusions about getting more and wanting everything under the sun strangle what was heard and nothing comes from it. And then he said, then the seed cast on the good earth is the person who hears and takes in the news and then produces a harvest, does something with it. Would you do me a favor today? Would you write down something that you're going to change? Maybe you're not a handwriting person, but put it in your phone, put it on your heart today. Do something different when we leave this building today because of what you're hearing about who God is, who you are, and how it should affect your life. The farmer has something in mind for you. He says the seed cast on good earth is the person who hears and takes in the good news and then produces, look this, a harvest beyond their wildest dreams what do you dream about peace hope joy not bill collectors calling them every third tuesday or every third day or every third hour what is it that you dream of the farmer has a dream for you that is beyond anything you could imagine would you follow him i almost said band come up but we're not doing that today Today, I want to give you an opportunity just to ask you, who do do I really think I am? More importantly, who does God think you are? Because who God believes you are is what matters. If you are, maybe if you're like a lost sheep today, you need to know he's looking. You're not alone. Maybe today, if you feel like the brat, not the brat, you feel like the brat, he's waiting for you to come home. Maybe you've got a brat in your life who has pretty much told everybody in his life to die. He wants what he wants now. If you're like the fake, and you say what you'll do, but you don't do it, you'll pretend over here, and you wear a mask over here, and then he's not fooled. And finally, if you're like the seed, would you just sit to submit to the farmer today? Today's a good opportunity for you to Move for you to do something different, to move you closer to God. No matter where you find yourself today, no matter how far you find yourself, today is a chance for you to move to God. And when you do that, the masks begin to fall off. This is the way that Jesus talks about the fruits of the Spirit. When you move towards God, you don't have to work so hard to get rid of the masks. You just, somebody will go, man, something's different in you. And you go, wow, yeah. I'm gonna give you a chance today. Tanya's gonna play this song called Dare You to Move. It's an old song. Um, by an old band. I want to give you a chance to listen to that. The servers, if you're serving today communion, I want you to go back and go ahead and grab the communion. They're gonna, you're going to serve communion during this song. Um, I want to give you a chance today to listen to the words of these songs and make a commitment to God to do something, to move forward, to make sure that you start to see yourself the way he sees you. Tanya, you want to